chapter 7, Types and Aspects, Intercessions. We need to see the place of our size or even indignation in these verses. Notice Mark 8, 12, John eleven thirty three, and 13, 21. Rotherham says in Mark 8, 12, And deeply sighing in his spirit, he saith, Why does this generation seek a sign? Verily I say, there shall not be given to this generation a sign. Rotherham says in the 12th verse, it says, he was sighing deeply sighing. Then he says down here in Panon, and he sighed deeply in his spirit and says, Why seeks this generation a sign? Amen, I say, no sign shall be given to this generation. The EBM text states in the 12th verse, and having deeply sighed in his spirit, says, Why seeks this generation a sign? Most certainly I say to you, as if there will be given to this generation a sign. Rotherham says in John eleven thirty three, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping who came with her, he groaned or sighed in the spirit and was troubled. This 12th verse of Mark, Jesus was sighing or groaning in his spirit man. Also note the 33rd verse of John 11. Jesus therefore when he saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping was indignant in the spirit and troubled himself. Panin says here in the 33rd verse, when Jesus therefore saw her wailing and the Jews also wailing who came with her, he was indignant in spirit and troubled himself. The EBM text says, Jesus therefore as he saw her weeping and the Jews having come with her weeping, he was indignant in the spirit and he disturbed himself. John 13, 21, when Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in his spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Rotherham quotes this 21st verse of John 13. These things having said, Jesus was troubled in spirit and bear witness and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, one of you among you shall deliver me up. Panna says, when Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and witnessed and said, Amen, amen, I say to you, the one of you shall deliver me up. EBM text states this 21st verse, as Jesus having said these things, he being troubled in spirit and he testifies and said, most certainly, most certainly I say to you that one of you will deliver me over. Although the word sigh or groan is not used in all of these verses, the place within Jesus was mentioned where this groan or indignant response started at, in his spirit. We finally then can come to the third verses of the book of Romans, which tells us in this also, the eighth chapter, in the 22nd and the 23rd verse, Romans 8, 28, 22, and 23. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain until now. And not only they, but ourselves also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption that is the redemption of our body. Rotherham states, For we know that all the creation is sighing together and travailing in birth throes together until present. And not only so, but we ourselves also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we even ourselves within ourselves do sigh the sonship ardently waiting the redeeming of our body. Pannon says, For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain until now. And not only so, but ourselves also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we ourselves also groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. The EBM text says, For we know that all the creation jointly groans and pains jointly together until now. 
And not only so, but ourselves also, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. We ourselves also grown in ourselves, fervently awaiting our adoption, the redemption of our bodies. All the creation is groaning in sign. That would be here implying those that are not saved or even animals to some extent. It would also be in reference to lost people. Then it says we that are saved and waiting for the adoption of our bodies, or you could say it this way, the resurrection of our bodies, are groaning or sighing also. And we see this sighing is within us. We have seen some statements about giving voice to the sighs like Acts 7.24 or James 5.9. And then here in Romans 8.23, it states, we that are waiting for these sinful bodies to be changed are sighing within ourselves. So we should be able to understand the sighing point, the sighing point or the, what causes us to sense this sensation. The point that I'm trying to make about sighing here is that both the lost and the saved both sigh or are able to sigh. And the idea behind sighing or groaning is that it starts inside of you. And then it can be expressed by someone outwardly if they choose to do so. Since people under pressure or they that are experiencing difficult situations or, or being overwhelmed by some things happening around them, it should be understood by mankind and at least by us who have the Bible after reading these verses or at least we should be familiar with the kind of sensation of sighing or groaning in our hearts, as in that we should understand this. It should be known to us. And then it tells us here, we the saved can sigh and groan. But here in this context of Romans 8.26, speaking about the Spirit of God and Him making intercession according to God, first, He, the Spirit, is sighing. But we should automatically understand what that means to us by sighing because we sigh when we get frustrated. People sigh when they get upset. It's an inside thing. But notice it says he is sighing and he is sighing inside of the Christian. And as we have seen, Israel in the scriptures sighed or groaned and God heard their sighs. We should be able to recognize this kind of sensation in us though. Yes, now hopefully you will see it. The groanings or sighs inside of your spirit is where the Spirit of God is expressing himself by these sighs. This is where he is doing this. This is what the verse is telling us in Romans 8.26. Intercession of the Holy Spirit is likened to the sighs. Notice here, we know that the book of Romans in the 8th chapter is teaching us how the Holy Spirit is working within the born-again spirit, a man. This chapter tells us in the 13th verse, helping to mortify our actions. In the 14th verse, he leads us in, in the direction of being led. He witnesses with us in the 16th verse. Then from the 22nd verse till the 29th verse, the 8th chapter speaks about the world groaning, then the Christian by themselves who groan, and then it goes into the 26th verse speaking about the Holy Spirit helping us also because he himself is groaning. But his reason for groaning in you and in me is to help us to have the knowledge or become aware that he is interceding. Or you could even say, though we don't have the knowledge how to intercede to the place which is necessary. We the Christian are to understand that these sighs or groans from within us 
is the revelation of the Holy Spirit making intercession, or the time is now to intercede. Like in other verses of the Bible, which tells us not to grieve the Spirit, like Ephesians 4.30, you must be able to know that the Spirit is being grieved. How would you know that you're grieved to Him, the Holy Spirit, if there's no sensation inside of us? Consequently, if we pick up on this or sense these groanings inside of us, we are then aware of the Spirit moving in us because of this verse here in Romans. We are to take the groaning of the Spirit to mean it's intercession time, or he is showing us what we do not know, or to take that as what time, what is it? It is intercession time. It's time to intercede. We might not totally understand everything exactly how the Spirit of God is helping us, but if you have been ever given place to the Spirit's groanings, and also remember how Paul described us groaning, waiting for our new coming bodies in 2 Corinthians 5.4, groanings being burdened. Notice again 2 Corinthians 5.4. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan or sigh being burdened, not because we would be unclothed, but clothed that mortality might be swallowed up in life. Rotherham says, And verily we who are in this tent do sigh, being weighted down, while yet we are not wishing to be unclothed, but to be clothed ourselves over, in order that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Panis states it as, For verily we that are in this tabernacle groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but that we would be clothed upon, that the mortality swallowed up by the life. And the EBM text says, For also the ones being in the tabernacle, we sigh being burdened in which we desire not to be unclothed, but to be clothed that mortality might be swallowed up by the life. We then can yield to God's spirit at this time when we can recognize the size. You will soon learn then how great our God is. Note again the phrase sighing being burdened, sighing being burdened. I think we all have heard this kind of terminology in reference to prayer and especially intercession before. We had a burden to pray, or I was burdened so much I started to intercede. When sighs and groans are within a person, sighs and groans are wordless expressions. They can be expressed, of course, and as we have seen in both Old Testament and New Testament, but when sighs are in us, they would be a deep sensation in your spirit, but without words. And so the nature of a sigh really is wordless. I know this thought may disrupt some people in their minds, but please just look at these verses and consider what is going on before you jump out of the ship. You could call these groanings unutterable simply by the very Greek word itself. But here also in the end of this 26th verse to help us, the Greek word is being used together with another Greek word, a-la-letois. And we have mentioned before this verb, laleo. This word is the very word used for a mute, a-la-leo, or a-la-letos, meaning unable to speak or utter, or not having the power to speak. The Greek word which stands in this verse, a-la-letois, the dative masculine plural adjective of the Greek adjective alaletos, meaning something inexpressible or unutterable. The analytical lexicon Greek New Testament says, the main thought, whether it is literal or figurative in use, is inexpressible or unutterable. 
And this word comes from two Greek words, from the word aleleo, a negative a, negative not, meaning not to be, and the verb utter from leleo. Also, this Greek verb, laletlo, does not mean to speak as other Greek words, which emphasizes speaking and the content which they speak. I said before, lego and lagos refers to the content of the arranged words being spoken. But laleo is the power to utter without the meaning of the content. So if you were going to say, I uttered, I would say. You would have to say, I laleo and I lagos. You would have to state what you said by the word lagos, where utter just means you could say it. Again, we're not speaking about the content when we talk about laleo, which is being spoken. Like we said before, the Greek word lego is to speak arranged word or laid down words. And the emphasis in lego and lagos is the content being spoken. But laleo is emphasizing just the idea of the ability of a voice to say or the power to speak. So these two Greek words, laletas and stenagmas, being placed together, together they would mean stenagmas, meaning the groaning without able to say it. La, a, laleo. So in Parker's lexicon states this in, in, from 1790, this is the same Greek word used throughout the Old Testament Septuagint translation of the Bible, like Psalm 31.18 and 38.13, the words the dumb or mute, which translates when someone is not able to utter a word. They're mute. They cannot have and do not have the power of speech. Or he would be mute, literally meaning words cannot go out of your mouth, thus unutterable or mute. This word in the Greek language is not describing the language or the words which one would utter, but the fact is that he cannot utter any word. He is mute. Whether by the act of will or by the physical inability, it still means the same. It's unutterable. The J.P. lexicon states not to be spoken or mentioned, unable to speak, from the Greek word a laleos, a lalas, dumb, mute, and the LS lexicon states ah, lalas, which comes from ah, and laleo, the verb, unutterable. All of these three of my older Greek lexicons agree. It is not the wordage or the articulation of the sounds, nor the words themselves, which is being articulated out of your mouth, but the words cannot come out of your mouth. They are unutterable. A sigh, or a groan by itself, by its very nature, would be inside. But a sigh or a groan in its nature that is unutterable when it's inside of you. When the two Greek words are placed together, though, with each other, they really overly emphasize the thought, the sigh, which cannot come out of your mouth, and then the stress is the inside origin of the groans more fully. The Holy Spirit is making intercession inside of the Christian, is what this is saying. The stirring part, or the burden aspect, you could say, is inside of you. As a matter of fact, one person has translated the 26th verse this way, Panin, and in like manner the Spirit also helps our infirmity, for we know not how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes mightily for us with groanings unutterable. Praise be to God for the help of the Holy Spirit's groanings within our hearts to make known to the Christian and to let us have the intercession time be made known to us. 
What time is it? It's intercession time. The time to stop the devil from doing bad or alter his plan and bring forth good. Just like in other verses, the Holy Spirit witnessing inside of the Christian or our spirit, we need to learn to recognize what the spirit does. If we grieve him, what is grieving sense like? If it's sighing, what is it sense like? And yield to him when he puts forth. If we're grieving the spirit, we need to ask God to forgive us and find out what was grieving him. If the sigh is happening in our spirit, we need to find out what he's sighing about inside of us. But in reference to intercession, it points out that he is sighing and it makes a place being when he is sighing is when he's interceding. When the Christian has the knowing of the what, the Holy Spirit, of course, we can then and should also yield to him. Which is my idea, which here, which is the real point of the Spirit giving us this information of groaning inside of us. If in the moment when the Spirit of God is getting across to us this time of intercession, if there is any content or even revelation understanding of details, at the same time, we could express them out in our own language by any pertinent verse of the Word of God to stop the plan of the devil. But if there is no information with the groanings, then we just give place together as we can and most of the time it's going to be in tongues till the groaning or he the spirit stops interceding the holy spirit is with and in us even though we all have this weakness of not knowing just because we do not know we should or might intercede it does not stop intercession the holy spirit like in the old testament is going to search and find someone to yield to him so also you could keep on speaking in a sense, or praying in tongues after the groaning stops, or as Paul said, burden aspect stops, but you would surely know whether the sighing is stopped inside of your spirit. I remember one man speaking about intercession one time, that the spirit was not hooking up with him or grabbing with him. And I think he was speaking about himself speaking in tongues or praying in tongues. But he was praying or interceding. But he noticed that the Spirit, and that's the point here, he noticed that the Spirit was not grabbing with him, interceding with him. But just to me, and I mean me myself, based on what I found in the book of Romans, no groaning inside, no intercession inside. Nothing on the inside which would be moving me or you to intercede or from the thought, or from this thought, he was thinking that God was not working with him. I am sure that our merciful God is very patient and long-suffering with us, and is tolerant with our lack of understanding in some of these areas of prayer. But praise God for his mercy. Thank God for the prayer of intercession, though. Thank God for the Holy Spirit who lives in our human spirit to help us. I know you could go on into more details of how we might join in with the Spirit's promptings in many areas, but especially in intercessions, groanings, but we will look at this at a later time, looking at the Holy Spirit and our help in prayer. But the point that needs to be made in these verses and was made in these verses, the head of the church, Jesus, is our intercessor. The Holy Spirit who took his place is the one in the church who initiates intercession in us. It is told that he takes his place in the church, in the earth, inside of each Christian. And we, the Christian, need to rely upon him for the groanings or the sighs or even the burden which prompts us to join in with his intercession. I personally see by this context no reason in this context for the Spirit's groanings if not to make known that he is doing something inside of us. In the verses of Romans 8, 26 and 27, 
Look again at the singular and the plural statements. We, our hearts, saints, all refer to the Christian. He is, the spirit is singular, Jesus is singular, and God is singular. Searching the hearts is plural. The hearts is the word plural. That again, we being the Christian, the spirit makes intercession on behalf of us, the Christian, according to God, which is singular. In these verses, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and to some degree, the church together could be potentially making intercession. But the emphasis in this context is all about the Spirit helping us so that intercession could be done by us with His assistance. And look who is initiating or starting this. If the Spirit is making intercession in this verse, it does not say He is being influenced or forced to do so by us attempting to intercede or who is interceding or who was interceding and still tries. If again we look in the statement in the 26th verse, we have to consider the thought or sequence of order. Again, prosyuxometha, the Greek word might pray, is stated first, and it again means we have not prayed yet. It's potentially capable of us praying, but we're not literally praying like the present tense indicative mode would state, because it is stated with the Greek subjunctive mood of potential. And sunantilabanitai, he joins against the weakness, is stated that the weakness is existing before we might pray too. Also, then looking at huperintukene, the Greek word being stated after the preposition Allah, the conjunction meaning, but instead of, or on the other hand, he, the Spirit, is making intercession on our behalf. We could say it this way. We having a weakness of not knowing, we're not omniscient, we're never going to be God, we're never going to be all-knowing. What we might pray about then, but the Spirit is trying to help us in this fact that we don't know. By groaning inside of us, so we do not know to intercede. And then the thought in the Greek text, three times it uses the Greek active voice in relationship with the Spirit of God doing something. He starts it, he does it, but it says he does because we have this weakness and we do not know the what aspect. He, the Spirit of God, intercedes on behalf of us, the Christian, so that we would find and come to the conclusion we need to yield to him. And remember, the Spirit of God is silent till the Father and Jesus move him or show, or in this sense, causes us to know something. Perfect submission, perfect operation with imperfect humans, and an omniscient, all-knowing God who knows the beginning from the end. Let's become sensitive to God's Spirit and yield to Him in the area of intercession.